I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. If you're 21 or older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online. They ship directly to most states or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. This is the Meat Eater Podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug-bitten, and in my case, underwearless. We hunt the Meat Eater Podcast. You can't predict anything. Oh, this is it, brother. There you go, boys. It's home! <laughs> <laughs> it's home. Yanni's fired up tonight. I feel the energy. Sacramento. What's up, guys? <laughs> Is uh, I got a couple people I want to ask about. Is Larry Castano here? Right here. Yeah. What's your wife's name? Emily. Yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, Greg Fonts. You guys know? Uh, you guys know the uh, free dive shop, West Sacramento. All right. Okay, we're gonna do a bunch of things tonight. We're gonna do our normal show. Um, then we're going to do a thing that we're doing at our live shows, which is called Two Lies and a Truth. A.K.A. Seeing Through the Bullshit. Seeing Through the Bullshit. (laughs) And, uh, we already picked a seat number before any, you have to trust us that we just randomly selected a seat number. Do you remember what it is, Steve? Yeah, at me like you don't. I do remember what it okay. is. I and that person will get to play the game. Yep. Uh, so we're going to do that. Get a lot of uh, interesting emails from California all the time. One I think about is... <laughs> it's like, what was that? <laughs> what was it? I'm not sure why there was a laugh there. 
It's like a, it's like a lovable kind of nut house around here. Uh, the, the, the Uber driver, I was with the Uber driver this morning, and he got kind of circumspect for a minute. I wrote it down what he said to me. He says, you know, the problem with California is we've got too many fucking crazy people. <laughs> he, he, we not long ago, we get an email from a guy not long ago who was complaining about uh, they had to go get a mountain lion depredation permit because a mountain lion is wiping out his ostriches. <laughs> And uh, it's, and I always see in the news too, like, you guys just have your own special set of things. There was a, I was reading an article, do you guys now have, there's an article in National Geographic talking about how you guys now have, like, the world's only population of blue-eyed coyotes, which feels so intensely Californian. Like, there's no, there's like no way that Nebraska Right, is gonna have blue-eyed, skinny coyotes. jeans and Chuck Taylors. Yeah. <laughs> and and of course, uh, National Geographic manages to spin the fact that California has blue-eyed coyotes into an anti-hunting article. It's like if they did an article about my mom's cookies, in the end they'd be like, you know, people shouldn't really be able to hunt. Uh, I was reading not long ago, a lot of people wrote in, this guy, I want to get this place right, Rio Del Mar. Oh, yeah. Yeah, what's the, the beach? You were laughing about the name. Beer of the can beach. beach. Beer can something. beach. That's, that's California crazy right there. Beer yeah. can beach. Beer can beach. And a dude uh, recently shot, this is the only time I've ever heard of this, a man, uh, he was fined for this, shot and killed a great white shark with a twenty-two rifle. Awesome. <laughs> Off Beer Can Beach. Over 500 pounds, over nine feet tall, nine feet long. The guy only gets, so this is a international, like it's international conservation status of the great white is vulnerable. The guy gets a fi- only a $5,000 fine. Yeah. Hold on, are we playing that game right now? The no, this is the, this de- no, dead truth, man, dead truth. And it was, it washes up on the beach. People are like laying down with it and taking pictures of it, and it looks totally fine. But they did a necropsy on it, and had a and, and a guy had had, a, had shot it three times with a twenty-two. He was fishing. He was a commercial fisherman. Doesn't doesn't even lose his license. Uh, shoots it three times with a twenty-two. One of the shots separates the the backbone. Hit, hit it through the spine, kills it. Washes up on a beach. They do a necropsy and find three twenty-two rounds in it. Someone's like, oh yeah, there was a guy there. Like some squid fishermen were out. They go and find him. They find the exact rifle behind his seat, destroy the rifle, and only a $5,000 fine. Two years probation. Two years probation. Oh, he did get probation. He did, two years. From fishing? Yeah. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah. Because we were reading an article recently in Ohio. They're, they're, they're harder in Ohio for catching yellow perch <laughs> <laughs> than they are here for great white sharks. There's been no yellow perch movies I've ever seen. This great yeah. <laughs> Instead of Jaws, it's called Little Lips. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about this case from it, this Ohio case, because uh, it was, it's like a, this big poaching case that came out. It's called, why is it called the North Shore? North Coast. North, North Coast. Coast, but it's the south coast of Lake Erie where this occurred. Undercover, maybe? Yeah, and it's like a case where poaching gets so bad that, they, that it actually earns the term racketeering. The largest poaching case ever for Ohio Department of Natural Resources. They wind up, it's racketeering, so they wind up confiscating 96 deer and turkey mounts, 
35 sets of antlers, 200 pounds of flayed sport fish, 400 pounds of deboned venison and processed deer meat. And here's where this gets interesting is that the racketeering ring is a whole bunch. There's like 40-some people involved in this. They shoot hundreds of deer, bone the meat out, and take it to, uh, what's the guy? Smoking tea. Yeah, smoking, smoking tea teas. smoke shop. And have, over the course of the investigation, they, they take 2,000 pounds of deer meat down and turn it all into what they call smokies. So like smoke sticks. The processor then sells the smoky sticks, and they use the money to buy, to get their own shit stuffed. <laughs> it's like this ring. And so they're... they're Which earned them a money laundering citation in there as well. Yeah, and communications fraud. Because they would shoot deer, <laughs> but then have like their old lady call the deer in and act like she got it, which makes it communications fraud. And racketeering. Money, yeah, the smoke and teas, he gets it for money laundering because he's converting poached deer into smokies, which I didn't even know that term. <laughs> they use smokies in the article in quotes. It cracked me up. <laughs> yeah, smokies. One of these guys, he gets uh, 22 months in prison. He can't hunt, fish, or trap until 2035. I can't even do that much math. Um, Another guy who, in the same like racketeering ring, he goes out and catches a bunch of walleye in Lake Erie, takes them in a live well, enters a walleye fishing contest on the river, <laughs> wins, and then he gets fraud. He gets uh, fraud by their theft by deception and has to pay the bait and tackle shop back their money. Another dude, get, he sells to undercover agents 100 pounds of perch and walleye and bass fillets to investigators. In all, it's 46 defendants charged with 91 felonies, 73 misdemeanors. 46 individuals assessed a combined 131,763 in fines and restitution. 8.6 years jail time. 79 years of hunting revocation. And 18000 in court costs. These sound like the dudes I grew up with, though, but nothing ever happened to us. It's like, <laughs> it was like kind of like the dudes, my, my dad fished with dudes that would, but John Gary, I can say his name because he's dead. Uh, one day he was like flaying perch, and he was telling me how he, the, he was telling me about where he sells his perch fillets. And he said, he was telling me that whenever you sell him flays, he's always got his thumb on the scale. And he says that when you're buying something from him, he's got this finger under the scale. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, these guys, it's like, I remember uh, this John Gary, he used to write down, he had a, a notepad, and he'd write down every book he read, and he'd write down what happened every day he fished. And this guy would fit, and everybody likes to say they fish 200 days a year, but this guy would legitimately fish 200 mm-hmm. days a year. But he lived by himself. There's no way to account for all the panfish he caught. And he was just like a, a racketeer. <laughs> Turns racket. out. We had to look up what racketeer meant. We want to make sure that that applied in this case. Yeah, it's like a... Basically cow. an unlicensed business with the intent to kind of deceive, I guess. Yeah, right? like, like you have the, a, a, a crime business. Seems like yeah. we got it really figured out. Yeah, no. Nailed it right we, now. we looked it up. but uh, It's still going to be one of those words where you're like, yeah, racketeering. Oh, yeah. It's bad. 
I don't, I don't want to, yeah, I don't, I just like, I'm like, ooh, man, that racketeering. <laughs> um, so we also got an email from a guy. It's like, like poaching takes different form. And these guys are obviously professional, like a-holes, right? But we got an email from a guy recently that got it, like, he got in trouble or, or he thought he was going to be in trouble. So he's in the area where he can only shoot a buck and he accidentally shoots an antlerless deer. So calls up and self-reports. So the game warden's like, I'll come over. So he, st- he thinks real fast, and he's like, how can I make this look as good as possible? So he said he, like, dresses the deer, skins it, scrubs it down real good. So when the game warden walks in, it's, like, ready to present. And the game warden comes in. He's so pleased with the thing, the guy doesn't even get a fine. Nice. Yeah, he, like, played it right. Be self-reporting. Polite. We're always, like, advocating on self-reporting. We get cool stories about people that do self-report and wind up not getting in any kind of trouble. Um. Cal, can you break down, uh, can you talk about the Lazarus species that you just fished for? Yeah. Uh, uh cutthroat trout over on Pyramid Lake. Anybody ever been over there? Yeah, earlier. Four, four people brought this up to me earlier, like asking if I knew about it. There's a couple of dudes in this room that are doing way better than, than we were doing. How many people have fished this, what's the lake? Pyramid. Pyramid? Yeah. Oh, like everybody. Yeah. Everybody fishes Pyramid. No, it's very well known. Uh, but this, uh, I, I did see, like, as far as, like, the Lazarus effect. So Lazarus rose from the dead. Uh, Jesus resurrected Lazarus after four days. This is in the good book. The book of John, I yep. believe. Um, and in, now it gets, like, lumped into the scientific term. It's called... Um, Lazarus taxon, when something disappears from the archaeological record? No, not archaeological. Uh, what am I? Th- Goes extinct. Do you think yeah. it went extinct, but it wasn't? And then all of a sudden, it pops back back up, like the coelacanth, right? Like armored fish. You know, um, that one was rediscovered in a fish market in Africa, right? This, that's where everything gets rediscovered. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, like that fit. That's an interesting fish because what they realized, they everyone thought it was extinct or. The, the scientific community thought that fish was extinct. How do you say it? I, I know coelacanth. Coelacanth, and it winds up that it was that they, a, a guy discovers it in a fish market, and they were using the scales. You know when you like get those shitty little tubes to patch tires in grocery stores? Yeah. And it's got the the, the tin that comes off, the lid that comes off, and it's got a scratchy on it. Yeah, the to, weird to little rough, perforated to rough lid. up your bike tube. They would use that fish's scale at tire shops to rough up the rubber for patching. And so they're using it for that, and the rest of the world thinks that they don't exist anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the tire fish. Yeah. 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 And then uh, the black-footed ferret was a Lazarus species. Yeah. Everybody thought they were uh, extirpated from the landscape, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, look what I ran over. Yeah. Yeah. So what happened in Pyramid Lake? <laughs> okay, so yeah. uh, two strains of cutthroat. No, <laughs> um, one was uh, kind of the river cutthroat. One was the lake cutthroat. Very much paraphrasing here, um, but there's this Pilot Point strain of cutthroat, which is like the big, the big dogs. Okay. Pilot Peak, and um, thank you. And that is. So they found, like, bone fragments where they estimated that these fish got up to, like, 80 pounds. 
cutthroat, uh, largest cutthroat in the world. And uh, they market fished those things, shipped them all over the country at one point, uh, but fed, you know, the big California gold rush, uh, giant cutthroat going from Pyramid Lake down to San Francisco. And um, then in 1979, a biologist is out on a ranch. So but they, they wipe them out, or presumably wipe them, wipe them out. Yep, presumably wiped out. Uh, biologist is out on this uh, private cattle ranch, uh, private ground, and um, he's like, boy, this fish looks odd. This is a different looking cutthroat. Were you just doing a... a little nod. You were doing a little nod toward private lands conservation? Yes. No. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I caught that. Hey, I caught thank that. Thank you. Yeah. That was slick. Um, thank you. I thought, yeah. Um, and uh, takes five of these fish, takes them in the lab. Holy cow, this is our extinct cutthroat trout. Um, and they were able to resurrect, raise from the dead, this uh, Lahontan cutthroat trout. Now there they are today. Yeah, I caught one. How big? Like, show me with your hands how big. Uh, the one I caught was probably about somewhere in here. Seriously? Yeah. But you yeah. were with a dude that caught a toad. Oh, yeah. And that thing was like hitting probably 20, 28, 29 inches probably. Really? Yeah. When we, we did weigh it, it was 18 pounds. And guys fish them off stepladders. Yes. That just doesn't like... <laughs> It is. The I, 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 don't, I don't you dislike it. Seen... I don't dislike it. I like it, but it, I just—it's a heart. Dude, this is like a full Michigan thing. You would love it. Is it <laughs> these are like the race cars, like the souped-up race cars of step ladders. Our dudes drinking like, beer. Our dudes drinking beer. There while are they're on beer the caddies. There's neck oh, yeah. caddies. There's uh, bass seats on top of step ladders. <laughs> so you go down to the to the ramp. Launch, whatever, what have you, the sure. access point, and yep. it's dudes walking down the beach with a ladder and a fish rod. Yep. Yep. Did you do this? Yeah. On a ladder? Yes. Did you wear a life vest? I did not. I did get bucked off, though. You did? <laughs> yeah. Does anybody put a little diving board on the end? There was a little wave action. Well, this you wear like dude. little floaties, floaty arms. Yeah. But hold on, you're sinking the legs into the mud. Yes. Yep. And, it's yep. too, and, and you're trying to get up or, so you, you know, can spot like fish, or you're just trying to get up clear of the water? Well, a couple of things. Like, getting clear of the water saves you from, like, totally freezing your ass off. And then, um, yeah, you know, if the water clarity's good. I did see a couple of fish, like, cruise and eat some midges off the surface, which was awesome. It's like a seven-pound cutthroat eating a dry fly off the surface. Was but you're sweet. just bobber fishing. Oh, full bobber fishing. Yeah. Couldn't be called anything else. What do you mean, a bobber? Could we be called a strike indicator, I've heard it called. Well, it's only a strike indicator when there's a strike. Oh, okay. The rest of the time, it's, <laughs> it's just bobs. Like, bobs and bobs yeah. until there's a strike. All right. Yeah, I like that like, I, You know what? I always struggle with that because we used to fish them all the time, and we call them, like, bobber felt reductive. Yeah, it does. Strike indicator felt pretentious. So we took to call them floats. Ooh. Yeah. Which there's felt gotta like... Be, there's got to be some combination, like Bob Indicator or something like that. Yeah, it's like, hey, you're fishing a float, you know? It's like you're not dressing it up, but then you're not act. It's not like your kid's Zebco rod. Yeah. Not the dog on Zebco. <laughs> Gets people fishing. Uh, and then talk about the dude you met. 
Oh yeah, man. So my new best friend. Is he, does Joe, he know, is he aware of this? No, oh. no. Um, super cool old codger, but he kind of he's got one of these souped up, you know, sports car type step ladders. He's got he's even got wheels. How tall? Bottom of his? Sorry, I'm, I this is a six foot step ladder. What yeah. what are the wheels doing? Well, he's an older dude, so the wheels make it easier for him to like drag his ladder down the beach. All right. And uh, I had I was freezing, so I'd gone back to the beach to do some some walking, and uh, and he kind of parked his ladder, you know, twenty feet. <laughs> To the left of my ladder. Yeah, what's like normal ladder uh, zone? Yeah. Like when you put a ladder up, how much how much The way it was explained to me is like you want you know thirty feet would be great, but a lot of guys just fish fish closer together for the bullshitting, you know? Yeah. Just ladder to ladder conversation. I was going up there. Yeah. And uh so I went out there to grab my ladder and drag it back in. And I was actually gonna go like prospect some some new beach, and uh, Joe's like, what are you doing? He's like, am I too close to you? You want me to move? I was like, no, I'm just going to take... He's like, I'll move. I'm like, no, man, I'm going to just drag... I've been standing out here for like three hours. Well, you should get back on there and stand on there a little bit longer. He's like, and I'll tell you another thing. I have no idea why those people are casting as far as they are. The fish aren't out that far. The fish are right here. He's like, I've already missed two in the time it took you to walk out here. <laughs> I'm like, can't argue with that. He's like, seriously, stand up there, just wait it out a little bit. He's like, the big ones are going to start coming in. And about six minutes later, he's got an 18-pound cutthroat. Really? Yeah. And this guy was, I mean, he was just amazing, right? This is like his spot. I'm like, oh, you come out here often? Uh, every weekday for 20 years. <laughs> I'm like, uh-huh. I'm like, I'm from Montana. Uh, I, I really dedicated myself to this for six hours. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, he was just phenomenal. He's like, yeah. He's like, here's my flies. Check them out. He's like, guarantee it's the same flies you're using. And he just had, like, this... I'll help you out as much as, as I can, and there's still no way you're going to be as good as I am at this. So <laughs> it was just, it was awesome. Like, this it's guy nice is a me, good It's example. nice to meet guys like that, man. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that go against uh, the John Gearock maxim that I like to quote is that when it comes to fishing, there's the people you're with and then the assholes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, and I'd be just lying to myself and everybody in this room if... I wasn't like, when I heard this, like, stepladder with wheels on it coming down the <laughs> rocky beach, I wasn't kind of like, oh, who's this jackass? <laughs> yeah, but turns out, uh, super nice guy, um, did it, I mean, explained everything. He's like, nope, those bugs don't exist here. Those bugs don't exist here. This is what happens in this lake. This is how cold the water is. Um, this is exactly why I wasn't standing down here freezing my ass off all day and why I came down right now. Yeah. And just, like, went through the whole thing. It Instead of, like, phenomenal. trailhead diplomacy, it's ladder diplomacy. <laughs> step <laughs> ladder. Yes. Step, step ladder. ladder diplomacy. Yeah. Be like Joe. Good dude. Uh, 
What's your guys' take? Someone wrote in about this. What's your guys' take on the habit of or the practice of naming your rifle? This guy was observing that he thinks it's extremely childish. Oh, really? What? Really. I think Daniel Boone, I think Daniel Boone, if I'm not mistaken, his was called Tick Licker. Tick Licker. That's, yeah, that's one letter away from offensive. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe maybe it just got spelled wrong. Childish is going like way his too Yeah, since then, historians have been baffled by what tick lick remains. Like, no, it wasn't tick. Know what it means. <laughs> no, you can't lick a tick. They're too small. <laughs> <laughs> These things get out of hand quick. <laughs> Who'd want someone licking your tick? <laughs> I've never named one. But you know what? My, my, uh, my halibut rod has a name, but it came with the name. The guy that made my halibut rod named it the Widowmaker. Which is like weird because you don't think of uh, like when you catch a halibut that you've now like (laughs) there's there's another one down there like all bummed that you caught that one. (laughs) I was going to go up. Do you ever talk to it? I feel like that's where it gets weird. You're like talking to it using its name. No, and I do it like kind of ironically when I say I'm going to grab the Widowmaker. Yeah, but I think if you start talking to it, that's where it gets strange. I kind of kind of call bullshit on that because I've been fishing with you, and you're like, no, 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 Widowmaker's mine. (laughs) (laughs) They're there, Widowmaker. We'll get them. Well, you have a rod that you you fish confidently, and that is the Widowmaker. Uh, Giannis, you have named a rifle. Yeah, several. Really? <laughs> sure, yeah. Like, what kind of, like, you know, call it just what it is? Uh, I do that as well. Like, you know, like, my one gun or whatever. Yeah, I think you know the, one? The most recent one that had a name that sucked for a while, I sold it, but it was a uh, 300 short mag. It was the first one that I owned. It was soon after they came out, I got caught up in the hype of, of 300 short mag. And it's as still, it, it's, as did I. Yeah, it's a great round. And uh, it was all black synthetic gun, and it had a, the steel on it was black. Um, You're not going to say something real offensive, are you? No. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, it was, it was the same time. Come on. <laughs> it's me, Yanni. It was the same time that uh, Kill Bill, those movies were coming out. Very good movies. Do you remember the scene where, I can't remember the, the actress's name, but the snake. and Daryl Hannah. Daryl Hannah, yeah. Mm. And From Splash. Yes. <laughs> and, yeah. that movie is ass. And, oh, yeah. and the actor that uh, opens up the briefcase full of money is Michael something. Yeah, thank you. Madsen. And, uh, Some cinephiles out there tonight, man. <laughs> he gets bit, right? And he gets bit again. And, uh, and as he's getting bit and struggling on the floor and as the black mama's poison is getting to him, Daryl Hannah proceeds to read like a little note that she has about like how venomous the black mama is and how a strike anywhere to the upper torso will cause imminent death, I believe is how she says it. Yeah. I thought, well, man, that's kind of like my 300 short match. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I called it the black mama. You were like 16. Oh, you're going to say, so my guy's name is Daryl Hannah. Give or take. (laughs) So I named it (laughs) Daryl. D-H, D-H. Yeah, 
So Black Mamba was the name. Yeah, Black Mamba. Yeah. She stacked there. them up, man. Worked for this outfitter, uh, and he had one named rifle. It was a 300 mag, mm-hmm. Winchester mag, the better of the two if you're comparing them. Uh, <laughs> and uh, that rifle's name was Birdie. And it was its own entity, and he'd always be like, yeah, old Birdie and I were out. And it's like, and I turned to Birdie. Was, was, Birdie, like, was Birdie ever out, but he wasn't out? Like, <laughs> Birdie went out. Bro, I, I was back home, but Birdie. Uh, but I've never found, like, an appro- you know, impressionable kid working for your first outfitter. I was like, yeah, I'm going to name. Yeah. Yeah, I just couldn't, never, never clicked for me. No, I'd feel like such a phony, man. There's a lot of, like, Dolores's and Louise. You, you hear that. There's, like, some common names. For like rifles. Old lady names for rifles. Yeah, like old Betsy. Old, old Betsy. Betsy. <laughs> Betsy, that's a good one. But you've never named one. Never named one, no. Just didn't well, find since, the time. You, since you guys can't really add to the conversation here. <laughs> no, let me, let me, let me but, tell you like, about another. But please, you, but don't think that me not having named one means that I don't have yeah. the authority to speak about this. I'm thinking, I'm thinking just that. I'm thinking just that. Now, my good friend Scotty up in Nebraska, he's now giving away this. It's a shotgun. It's not a rifle. But he's now giving away this shotgun because it got to be too much for him because he got blown up in Afghanistan and uh, the concussion that he received there, he couldn't take shooting big guns was he, anymore. Was he a contractor in Afghanistan? That's right. Yeah, drove, he, like drove, an IED drove big rigs, and yeah, got hit by an IED. But not as he wasn't a service member, right? No. no. Um, but he had, and, this now, is the guy and, from, now, and now another friend of mine has this shotgun, and it's a single-barrel 10-gauge. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. All right. And um, its name is Thunder Breath. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But you don't tell the story without doing his voice. Scotty's from Maine, and uh, you guys have Giannis. heard a lot of pronunciations of Giannis over the years. And Scotty says, Giannis? <laughs> <laughs> that took he was going to get away. That's why I had to shoot him for you. <laughs> this is how my very first ever turkey that I got went. Scotty was nice enough to have me out, uh, and, and uh, I'd hunted for three or four days on my own, and... Uh, at that point, I couldn't tell a hen, you know, apart from a gobbler. And uh, so the last morning, he takes me out, and uh, we're doing a little, uh, he took me to some ground that we hadn't hunted, some private ground, a friend of his, and we were cruising in his uh, pickup truck, and we kind of come over this roll. And just as we're coming over the roll, Scotty's looking over the dash, and just by the time I see him, he just, he's, a, he's got a um, stick shift pickup truck, and it goes into neutral, and that truck just, just comes back down over the roll. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, must have been something. I didn't even see the birds, you know? I'm like, all right, it's on now. So he's like, come on. They didn't see us. So we hop out. Do the, do, do, do the accent. Don't look. Come on, Jonas. Right, <laughs> Let's go. And we go sneaking up this little, up this little knob, and uh, we get about 10 feet from where you could actually see over. And he's like, stay down. They're going to see you. And he goes on up there. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, come on, man. I feel, I'm pretty slick in the woods, you know? And he's just like... Stay back, stay back. So anyway, we peek over, and he comes back, and he's like, 
let's go. And we just do this like full-on army commando run around, basically just circumnavigate this, I don't know, terrain feature. And we get down into a canyon creek and circle around and pop up near a windmill. And we go belly crawl next to the windmill to the water tank. And they've gotten out to, I don't know, 40 yards or so. And he's like, I can't remember what he said. He now. said, you honest. you honest? Shoot that bird. So, it's, I, listen, man, you're the only dude worse at accents than me. That doesn't sound I like, like everything as like, that a, sound like, like an Irish accent? dude. <laughs> sure, it sound like maybe like a pilgrim or something. Pilgrim? You honest? You have a blunderbuss? Yeah, my mind is like Americans and everyone else speaks kind of like an Irishman. <laughs> yeah. You're Australians. Like. So I shoot the turkey. And instead of flopping over, doing what a dead turkey should do, instead it, he just like puffs up and all his feathers just fly everywhere. I obviously body shot him, you know. And I'm still just like kind of calculating everything in my head, like what I should do next and, you know, putting the safety off on the shotgun. And the bird takes flight. And he's now gone another 20 or 30 yards and he's in the air. And Scotty and Thunderbreath just jump out in front of me and <laughs> pow! And I've never seen a turkey do this this day, but at like 70 yards, the turkey just did like a somersault <laughs> through the air. And then he said, Jonas, go get your bird. <laughs> so I walk over there and the bird's still flapping and I'm walking back and it's, you know, spurring me and beating me and I'm trying to stretch its neck and I'm getting beat up by the turkey and Jonas, give me that bird. And he grabs it and goes, whoo. And throws it, you know? And then it finally lays there, dead as can be. And then again, Jonas, get your bud. <laughs> That's how I got my first turkey. Thunder breath. So. You, know, it's, you bring that up because a guy recently wrote in, um, like he wing shot the turkey. But a guy's like, why is it, uh, oh, like, why is it so bad to shoot a duck on the water or a pheasant on the ground? but it's okay to shoot a turkey on the ground. And it's bad to shoot one flying. Like, who came up with that? Good question, Steve. <laughs> well, the, the flying turkey, I think you have a way higher probability of a body shot. Could Whereas, be. like, the turkey on the ground, it's, you know, you got a lot of neck there. Yeah, because this, this guy's main, he was mainly exploring, like, the morality or the ethics of you know, like shooting ducks on the water. Yeah, but you're talking to a dude who'd shoot a duck on the water. <laughs> I, 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 don't have, I don't have a problem with it either. I've never had a problem with it. I mean, if you were to ask the duck, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's like, I don't really want to be shot in the air either, to be honest with you. You know what I mean? It's like, like, who are you? I had plans. Yeah, who are you? Ducks can't talk. We know that. Uh, but don't, don't some waterfowlers say that because when they're on the water and their wings are folded and, and they, it sort of protects, the water's protecting some of their you know, breasts, the wings are protecting some of their I'm breasts. a waterfowler and I say that, but okay. I don't know if that's widely accepted, but yeah. Yeah. I think that it's... Well, how many shells have people, you wasted like, shoot, at when a duck people, on the water? When you say the saying, like, like shooting ducks on the water, you might say, like, you mean like they get up and fly away? <laughs> Because, yeah, I think, there's a, I think there's a, that's a part of it. Have you ever trained your shotgun on a turkey in the roost and, and thought about it? Yeah, oh, yeah. I have. We thought about it hard one time. <laughs> and we got, me and my brother in the dark crawled in under a roost tree one time. And we're looking up, very struggling with this very question. Oh. 
And he, you could see him gobbling up there. Oh, I've had turkeys fly over my head at dusk. And as, as they're flying over, I'm thinking, hmm, I know where he's going. Like, I can probably get him. But you just never do. You just, I can't, can't bring myself to shoot a turkey on, on the roost. We're just reading that study the other day. Where they, in, in Colorado, speaking of roosting, in Colorado they were doing this thing with Miriam's turkeys. Um, what was the percentage of time that a gobbler will roost in the same tree? Do you remember this? I do remember it, but the number escapes me. It's it was lower than we thought. Very low. Yes. But the biggest thing is they tend to, like, you think, like, oh, they go in that same tree every night. It was less than 20% of the time a gobbler will roost in the same tree, and on mm. average, they roost 1,000 yards away from where they roosted the night no before. Oh. And that number increases during turkey season. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, they're not in like Colorado pre- in this study, you know, the in, study in this area. study area on Miriam's in Colorado. Spring is a great time to do something with your family. Do some spring cleaning, which I kind of started today outside, planning outdoor activities, which I'm always doing, taking a little trip to Hawaii with your kids for spring break, which I just did, which was great. You know what else you can do for your family this spring? You can shop for life insurance with Policy Genius. Make that part of your financial planning for the year. I've said it before a thousand times. I'll say it again. When my wife and I, when we started having kids, we got serious about life insurance. And man, I felt so much better after we did. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Even if you already have a life insurance policy through work, it may not offer enough protection for your family's needs, and it may not follow you if you leave your job. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Hey man, after years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if you've learned anything, it's that there is always a catch. So when I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, well, what's the catch? But it turns out there isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, Go to mintmobile.com slash meat eater. That's mintmobile.com slash meat eater. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash meat eater. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 per month. New customers on first three month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Man, I'm just coming back uh, not too long ago from youth turkey season in Wisconsin. Now, last year at youth turkey season, it rained and snowed the whole time. This year at youth turkey season, it was in the 70s and even up to 80. So me and my kids are pouring it to it. And after a while, I realized they didn't drink anything all day and they haven't drank anything all day. Well, that's why it's important to get hydrated and have something you're going to like to help you, encourage you 
to get hydrated. Doesn't matter. Outdoor events, turkey hunting, playing sports, beach days, mountain adventures. Summer requires extraordinary hydration that's built for everyday dehydrating moments. With three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients in a single stick, it's clear why Liquid IV is the number one powdered hydration brand in America. Tear, pour, live more. One stick plus 16 ounces of water hydrates better than water alone. I'll say that again. Hydrates better than water alone. Turn your ordinary water into extraordinary hydration with Liquid IV. Get 20% off your first order of Liquid IV when you go to liquidiv.com and you use code MEATEATER at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop better hydration today using promo code MEATEATER at liquidiv.com. Um, uh, best post-apocalyptic gun. Guy was saying that he transition. That was a guy a was saying that <laughs> you got him. This guy wrote to him and his buddy like have this argument. The amount of energy that put pe- people put into imagining, like lusting for a post-apocalyptic world. Yeah. Certain types, certain types of people. Can we just say what we wouldn't use? Well, let me give you the two. He's kind of laying it out. Like okay. the two things, is, uh, there's this, he, his buddy has this idea that you'd want it to be a 22, so you have all this ammunition because you're going to be dealing with all these dogs that are attacking you all the time. <laughs> and the other guy feels like there's going to be a lot more There'd wolves. Be great white sharks swimming. No, the other guy's like, there's a lot more wolves yeah. and grizzlies. There'd be a lot more wolves and grizzlies, and so you need a high cat, like a large rifle to deal with the post-apocalyptic world. Is there zombies? Let's just say no. Let's say no. Okay. Let's say no. I'm just anti-crossbow. I'm yeah. anti-crossbow in the post-apocalyptic world. There's a certain show where there's a fellow, grungy fellow with a mullet, runs around shooting things in the head with a crossbow. I'm like, come on, man. You you're not going to run. You're not running crossbow. No. You'll be eaten alive while you're trying to cock it to get the next one. Yeah. That's a fact. So I'm, and, and I'm in, a lot of states are not, in a lot of states, they're not even legal, so you'd have to cope with that. you had to cope with that. You'd be a poacher and... And you'd be dead because you'd be cocking your crossbow and you'd be eaten alive. I'm just going to sit back, see what happens in California, and then I'll make my decision. Yeah. <laughs> Do you got any uh, input? Uh, you know, I... Like, why is it so hard to entertain the idea for you? I mean, it just seems like so easy. Like, a post-apocalyptic world, yet I am still alive. <laughs> Okay. Whatever. This coming from the guy. Red Ryder BB gun. Oh, I no, I have a ton of I have a ton of thoughts about this, and it's not about selection. I have a lot of thoughts, but I'd like to do it like the full boat. I just want to select my gun. I like my vehicle. I'm gonna get a van for sure. Like, (laughs) I'm gonna put like a you know snowplow on the front. I, I got a lot of things I think about, but just not the gun. So I'd like to paint the entire picture if we could. Yeah. Well, no, what are you doing, Giannis? You're sitting back and doing what? Just wait and see what happens here first. I figure this is going to be ground zero. This is where it's going to yeah. go down. Yeah, and we'll probably still be covering it on the news <laughs> in, in Montana. I'll be like, oh, that didn't work. That did. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can email over and ask what's been working out for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> my, my thing about it, and I, we get like this question a lot. Not a lot. But Somebody no. will be blogging, right? Somebody in California will be blogging about, like, I figured, I, I knew it, I told you so, it was the X. It's crazy, we still have the internet in the post-apocalyptic world. <laughs> yeah. We can still blog. Well, that's where I wind up having problems with this thing, because it, it is this, it, it's so, I, don't, I think we're coming out of it now, but it was really, like, cool for a while to, like, be ready for the apocalypse. 
But then you're banking on, you're like spending, there's people that spend sort of their entire lives getting ready for something that by definition means most people are gone and there's this assumption that you're not. But the other thing is you can find examples all around the world of collapsed societies. And the first thing that goes in a collapsed society is wildlife, right? Like you go to the Democratic Republic of Congo or go to Syria. I mean, wildlife vanishes. So we have this like fictitious idea that, that society will collapse, you'll be alive, everyone will be dead, and we'll have wildlife when, in fact, a stateless society almost like it's almost like by definition, stateless societies lose their animals. Like the animal, the, the wildlife we have, we only have because we decided to have it. It's not here accidentally. And with the with the with all the regulatory structure and anything of that, that like that imposes restraint removed, that's gone too. So the best. You really just buzz killed the apocalypse. <laughs> it was way cool until that, until that monologue. Yeah. Is Bigfoot going to be there? <laughs> oh. Yeah, speaking of... Oh. We're not supposed to talk about that. Speaking of what, like, a big, weird state you guys live in, um, <laughs> has anybody here seen a Bigfoot? I'm not going to say a word. Yeah, I, don't, I, I won't talk about it. I'm just curious. Has anyone seen one? Because <laughs> this is like, there's a lot of Bigfoot country north of here, I think. Yep, somebody said, yep. Like they, they, yeah, sure, there is, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You look on Onyx Maps, you can see that one area. Oh, yeah. That's where they are. I want, I want to grab a subject that comes all the way from Norway. A guy from Norway wrote in that him and his wife were out hunting black grouse, which we had to look up to verify was a bird. It's a bird, a black grouse. It looks, it's got the red eye comb. What's that whiskey or scotch with the red grouse on it? Which is a ptarmigan, basically. Oh, famous grouse? Yeah. Famous grouse, yeah. It's got a red eye comb like that grouse, but it's a black grouse. And it's not that capper Kelly. Not Kelly. a capper Kelly, which is the thing I most want to hunt. Yeah. 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 Someday in my life, I'd like to do that. I should contact this Norway fella. So he's out with his wife, and they jump a black grouse. And it heads off. He's all whacked out because he says he went 100 meters, by which he means 100 yards, roughly. He goes, <laughs> he's That's what he obviously high. Yeah, he was Poor fella. <laughs> so he strikes off, and, and him and his wife march in the direction it went to go catch it, and it's wherever it landed. And they get there, and before he can get there, a goshawk kills the grouse. And it's just laying there warm, dead. Bird takes off. And he, po- he even said that um, this, he presented the email. The subject line is a moral question from Norway. Oh, and he pointed out to you, I wanted to tell you this, Giannis. Blouch, where he's from, is pang. You, so you, in a hunting story in Norway, apparently, you're like, and I raise my rifle and pang. <laughs> pang? Like the yeah. idiot? <laughs> it like, doesn't. That's not. That it's very a feat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, so he never gets to paying, to paying. <laughs> is it immoral to take, uh, to, ste- to steal the bird from the bird? His wife stole the black grouse from the goshawk because she felt, well, I kicked it up. Uh, <laughs> sure. 
She yeah. gets an assist at the very least. <laughs> she should have. She should have just taken one lobe, I think. A lobe. Yeah. yeah. A wing. No, take it. You have hands and feet. The bird doesn't have those. Take them and eat it. It's just. It's that. You simple. think you just like exploit the bird? Yeah, I'm exploiting the bird. I would not have touched. There's no way I would have touched that. No. Bird. No. You have some, like, big bird respect? Like, no, I just feel like it's like, yeah, kind of. I feel like you'd lost fair and square, man. Put it this way. You kick up a bird, and then it flies, and off in the distance you hear, bang! <laughs> like, like, where am what, I right Yeah, what, are you going to go make the case? Are you going to go make the case to that guy? Yeah, but I could talk to that guy. <laughs> I'd be like, listen, guy, you, good, good for you. If you were a bird, I'd take it. <laughs> If you were a small little yeah, bird. Yeah, if you were a small little bird with a smaller brain than me, I would just take it. They and can't fight me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Similar story. No, I don't. Even, no, this is similar. I can make this similar. <laughs> we just got in the just the last hunt. So the the 2008 hunting season, the guy who wrote us a letter drew a Utah, a Henry Mountain. So there's a there's a buffalo herd in the Henry Mountains in Utah. So he draws a cow bison. Henry Mountains tag. They hunt their asses off and can't find one. Oh, we met some people last night. What? They got ten, two? One. No. But they hunted 10 days before they found one. Yeah. They're, in this mountain range where they give these tags out, I've applied for these tags in the past. He was saying that the density, it's such a low density, it's one per four square miles. So they put in 10 days and then they found... They put in 10 days before they found one. And it was a woman. She had the tag, and she got one. But this other mug writes in that they're hunting, and they're not finding anything. But then all of a sudden, his buddy is like, get over here, get over here, get over here. And he comes over and peers off this rock ledge, and there is, so he has a cow tag, a female tag. And there is what they suspect to be a bull bedded down. And they observe it for a long time, and they're going by the curvature of the horns, and they're thinking it's a, it's a bull, so he, can, he can't get it. And they watch it and watch it and watch it, and eventually they get to wanting to make a cell phone video of it walking away. I don't, Lord knows why. He doesn't explain why. But they want a cell phone video of it walking away, so they decide to try to spook it up. And they can't get it to spook. And he even throws a rock down there, and it won't get up. And they pick their way down there and realize that it is stuck in a crack in the rocks. It's like got its leg wedged in the rocks and is laying there unable to move. It can stand up and struggle, but it's stuck. So they still think it's a bull. And they try prying and poking and digging and wrestling the thing out of there, but they don't want to get hurt by it. And they exhaust all the possibilities of trying to free this thing. And they're getting ready to walk away when one of them finally has the good idea to lift the tail up. (laughs) And it's a cow. So, bang! And... (laughs) He tags it. Yeah. So, if you extend the goshawk logic to an inanimate object, such as a rock, Rock. he took that rock's catch. But I would have done nothing different. Like, I would have absolutely done what he done. Yeah, I don't like it, but... You don't like it? But you kind of have to. What don't you like about it? I just don't... 
It's not ideal. No, it's not ideal. Yeah. I mean, that's not uh, what... Uh, yeah, you know, I, I'm very particular on my hunting, and I have, like, this idea of how a hunt should go, and if it doesn't, like, go out, kind of follow through on my big ideas. Yeah. A lot of times I just don't pull the trigger, but that'd be a hard one to... Well, if you were hungry, it would be ideal. Oh, yeah, that'd be queen mother of all. Well, I don't think it'd be ideal. It'd be, like, it'd be... On it, you couldn't anticipate it. No. You can't anticipate it. And if you leave, you know it's going to perish. And you didn't no, I mean, not that, you know, situation. I believe in nutrient recycling and all that. Like, nothing actually goes to waste, right? Yeah. Like, out in that environment, it's not, it's not, it'll be consumed and, right, circle of life, all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, I would have, absolutely. Yeah. But it was the first day. But also, like... Where you're like, man, I wonder, like, how much struggling has this thing done? And what kind of has there been, like, is the meat going to be affected? Which kind of is kind of like prick thinking at that point. It's like, <laughs> it's all about me. How's this thing going to taste? Real selfish. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you done, Yanni? Yeah, I was going to say in both those instances that it would depend on how hungry you are, right? Because if you're really hungry, sure, you're just going to take the bird from the goshawk and you're going to kill the buffalo with its legs stuck. But we don't ever have to face that question. But what would you have done, just knowing what I told you? With the buffalo? Yeah. No, and it was a weekend of the hunt. It had been a tough hunt. Probably would have killed it. Taken it You'd home. have tagged it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, then, you know, people come over. You got, like, the skull on the shelf. You're like, you see that? And you tell them what happened. That's right. Be like, I, before I killed this bison, I lifted its tail up. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing. Like you've kind of like, crossed I didn't even know what barrier. I was looking for. That's a new, that's a yeah. new analogy. Put your head up a bison's ass. Yeah. Yeah, there's no going back after that. <laughs> what? Uh... You're taking that bison home. <laughs> yeah. What was, uh, what was Larry's wife's name? Emily. Emily, Emily that's right. Emily was... Uh, Emily. Yeah. She was wondering about this. She wasn't. What's that? I'm just selling her out. She wasn't wondering. Oh, she's, oh, okay. <laughs> Can I talk about it? Yes. Your question. Yeah, I'm just joking. It wasn't Emily wondering this. Okay, there's a fella. Let's just say. Let's just say there's a guy. <laughs> He's in section. JJ. There's a guy that was wondering, and this is, this is like, this is a difficult thing to address. It's hard to bring up. Uh, you process an animal. Okay, you gut an animal. And there's a, there's a smell to it, and we're all familiar with. Um, has one ever noticed that after that, one might, uh, one might pick, sense some of those same odors around their own flatulence or bowel movements? <laughs> and he's proposed this, this individual, has proposed this to family members, and some people think it's that sensation of when you put garlic between your toes and feel like you can later taste it? Or is it just that it's a familiar smell and you tend to then find that smell, you know, you recognize it in other areas? I have no idea. This isn't something I've experienced, but I do like to take all, like, I like to take all things I get and, and, and lay them out to be helpful to people. Yeah, helpful. Real helpful. Uh, <laughs> I'm genuinely confused. Yeah, man. I don't fucking know. <laughs> Dude, well, can we go back to the garlic and toes? <laughs> oh, you don't know about this? <laughs> okay. 
If you, <laughs> you've never done this? What? No. Who the hell? What? Was garlic Dude, a t- Yeah. You take, pe- peel and crush a, peel and crush a clove of garlic. And then jam it between your toes. <laughs> and wait a while. How long? I've had some boring nights. <laughs> but, uh... Wait a while. And you will get to where you can taste the garlic. <laughs> or you can't, but you think you can. And you've been smoking what? <laughs> it, it works so well that the trick is this. You, need, you tell someone, we've done this at my house. You tell someone, um, I'm going to put something between your toes, but don't look. And then after a while, they'll be able to tell what it is. <laughs> you know, you're not buying it? Dude, I wish you had some in your toes right now. Does anybody have garlic out there in the crowd? We could uh, now back to the... Okay, guy. <laughs> oh, you, you, any, you got anything to add there? Should we hit the actual question? Yeah, I mean, if it's, oh, if that it's something was, that... No, okay, quickly. Larry or whatever. Was it Brad? You're not saying? clear on the question? I'm not clear on the I'm not clear uh, okay, on what person, we're talking about a or where person we are. Obs- A person observed. He, he observed this phenomenon that, that he experiences. Where if when he... You know, I'm just going to move on. <laughs> uh, this is a psychosomatic. We really get it. Okay. So a 20-year-old person wrote in, and he's dating and using dating apps. This is nothing to do with the... This has nothing to do with the... the, 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 the a different the, person. This, nothing to do with, this has nothing to do with gutting an animal and then feeling that it has affected the odor of one's own flatulence. <laughs> this is a completely separate Difference. subject. Where... A guy saying he's digging through the rubble of the modern dating world on dating apps, and this guy is one of those closeted <laughs> hunter types. And he won't tell, he won't tell women that he meets that he hunts. Ew. Yeah. Ew. Ew. <laughs> like, I don't even have the luxury. Well, I don't have the luxury because I'm married. If I wasn't married, I wouldn't have the luxury anyways. But like, that's some bullshit, man. Yeah. Get it together, man. Closeted. Get it, it, get it together. Honey yeah. is a virtue. Yeah. Put it out there. Yeah. I'd say not only do I hunt, but I shoot ducks on the water. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you a story about this goshawk that I know. I steal food from birds. <laughs> <laughs> I put garlic between my toes. <laughs> I fish off a ladder. <laughs> oh, this is out of control. We're gonna have to adjust your Tinder profile tonight, Cal. <laughs> we gotta. I, have you been on? Have you been on there lately? No, I like how you put it out. I think it's appropriate. Like I'm, you're sifting through the rubble of. How would you put it? That's what he, how he put it. He says, oh, I'm wow, a mid to late... He doesn't even know how damn old he is. He's a, <laughs> he's, no wonder he's like, this guy's like suffering from some personal problems. I'm a mid to late 20-year-old male sifting through the rubble that is the dating world. Well done. You know what? He's a if, you were, if you would come out and just be upfront about what kind of feller you were, you might not be sifting through rubble. You might be like climbing the tower. We talked about this in the office, about huntersonly.com. 
where it would be like a dating site where it's hunters only. Yeah. Because they got Christians only. They got all kinds of farmersonly.com. Yeah. Why not huntersonly.com? You have your grip and grin right on there. It'd be a good website, man. Because farmers only, I gather, it, it, I think there's a lot of non-farmers on probably. farmers only. Cal being one of them, he's probably never farmed. <laughs> <laughs> Cal, have you ever dated on the, on the internet there? Because I, I, I think we all probably got married before it was prevalent. I missed it. Yeah, I missed it. It's like I missed the good old days. You know, like the good old days of dating, I like totally missed. Back then, you had to like get shit-faced if you wanted to go on a date. You couldn't. You, <laughs> you had to go down there and put in the time, man. I've never swiped a lady any, really any direction, but never swiped anybody. Right. <laughs> no, you had to like, you know, drink a bottle of Boone's in the shower, go down and have a Long Island iced tea, and then start talking. <laughs> and then once you got to the garlic in your toes, the date was over. My buddy Ronnie was just telling me about a guy that he knows who's in the dating game, and he still does the old-fashioned way in bars. But he uh, carries a thing of Tic Tacs in his pocket. And he reaches in his pocket and rattles it like a rattlesnake and says, there's a snake in my pants. And he says that this... He says, he says that it works. I started, I started doing it to my wife, and I haven't gotten anywhere with her, man. <laughs> oh, that's a good ad for Tic Tacs. But I was using those orange Tic Tacs that my kids had, and I was rattling to my wife, and she's just like, having none of it. Um, another question, this is kind of like the same vein as post-apocalyptic guns, is, is uh, when it comes to backpacking, do you like spoons or forks? No. That's like, that's like some middle-of-the-road centrist bullshit right there, man. That's like, that's like fence sitters. Those guys are the fence sitters, you know? Well, I'm pro-nuance. I feel like sports yeah, are right pro, where I'm that's at. That's the pro-nuance <laughs> It's very nuanced. It's got some curvature and some spiky things at the end. It's very nuanced. I, I, yeah, I'm a long... Uh, a fork. I feel like the natural world is nothing but like fork things, pokey sticks, knife tips. Like, I'm never out in the woods and be like, man, if I only had a fork. Yeah, I feel like the meals that we eat out there aren't sophisticated enough for a fork, right? Yeah. And it, it, it's like, you, if there's a time when you need a fork, your knife will do the trick. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you don't, True. like, tuck in your napkin and shit, like, <laughs> yeah. like this, you know? And yeah, it's a blunt object. Situation. I guess just that one hunt where, we, where the helicopter took us in. Mm-hmm. and then With the Hollywood people? Yeah, <laughs> and there, and we had to use a small fork from the first one from the Bear left. Bear Grylls was there. He was using a I fork like, for Yanni, sure. Yanni, that's your salad fork. <laughs> <laughs> no, big, like, I, uh, we've taken to running almost exclusively, like, big, long-handled spoons, which are meant for digging into... So you don't, MREs, soil your, yeah. you don't soil your knuckles Yep. eating freeze-dry. In a moment of weakness, around Christmas time, I bought myself a titanium spoon. That's what I have. Like the long one. Yeah. Uh, and I got suckered in because it also had uh, like a table of measurement on there as well. And I like everything to have more than one job. And I was like, well, that's kind of <laughs> sweet. So now you, did, you were able to ditch the measuring cup <laughs> and just run the spoon. Um. It's got a toothbrush on the other end. It's, it's really nice. But like the dirt cheap, long plastic GSI spoons, mm-hmm. I think are are better. I like I, the metal. I, I think it's a better. better I know tool. the spoon you're talking about. It's yeah. kind of off white. Yeah. yeah. It, it flexes too much. 
you can't get into the corners and you don't get a good stir. It's, it's act, it actually weighs less than the, than the titanium spoon. What I find... And the titanium gets wicked hot. The, the, what I find, because everyone now has the same, like most people I know have the same spoon. What is that spoon? Speaking of name and shit, what's your spoon's name? Double V-notch. <laughs> <laughs> That's childish. Okay. Well, no, because here's the thing. People will, everyone, owns, everyone that I know owns the same spoon. I know what it is. It's a titanium spoon. It's yeah, like, see to summit, it's like a, We usually just wipe out REI. It's like a keeper-sized trout. It's that long. Yeah. See to summit, titanium spoon. And some, like the camera guys will wrap gaff tape of various colors around their spoon, but then that gets soiled. Mm-hmm. So I take my, uh, the file on my multi-tool, and I, all my stuff, I cut two V-notches in all my shit, all my stuff. So I cut two V-notches in my spoon, and I call it the double V-notch. Why two? Why not one? Seems like a little extra work. I just saw someone else maybe do that. I just wanted to have two in there. And I like cutting the thing. and <laughs> <laughs> It's like a thing I like, enjoy doing. I do that with my, yeah, I do it with my sleeping pad, too. I got a couple notches in there. <laughs> it, keeps, it keeps popping. I don't know what Yo, that, that's Yeah, that sleeping pad with the two holes. <laughs> yeah. um, and I did, that, I did it to my, my uh, steep country knife. I cut two things in there. And then someone was like, oh, does that mean you've made two kills since you got that? And I was like, oh, no. And you're like, well, this is ruined. <laughs> but yeah, the double V-notch. But no, spoons all the way, man. Spoons all the way. Everybody out there is into the spork. Sporks. Dude, there are sticks. You have a knife. Fingers. Fingers. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm, you know. I did a lot of uh, early season no stove. I was packing uh, the salmon packets. Mm, yeah. And uh, there's a shop in Ketchum there that uh, if you went in for lunch, they had like a Mondo bucket of the wooden chopsticks. So I, what? For whatever they were serving for lunch. I wasn't buying it, but I was grabbing a handful of the chopsticks. <laughs> um, and smash up uh, that salmon and rock the chopsticks. It was great. Highly oh, and then, and then just go like stoveless cold wait, food. Wait, yeah. wait, wait, You took sticks in the woods? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I did. Did you bring, did you bring antlers with you? Yeah. I brought some grass to make a fire and a little bag. I see your point. Thank sticks you. Are, yeah, okay. I won't, I won't uh, go any further. I just we talked about that with our. They buddy. were clean sticks. Do you know? Um, do you know Kurt Roscoe? Yeah. Yeah. Stone do, you, do you hear what he does? Freeze dry food, because he doesn't like to carry his stove around. He around noon puts the water in the freeze dry pack. Cold. Cold. Because by dinner, wow. it'll be edible, and just eats room like cold ass freeze dry. And that has never, like, exploded all over his... You know, I didn't ask him about that, but it's a great question, packing that around. Yeah. You know, someone wrote in that he's harder than woodpecker lips. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked to multiple people that have tried the Kurt Roscoe method of the, or the Kurt Roscoe backcountry menu and came, come back and said, I was miserable. <laughs> <laughs> it can wreak havoc on your gut. 
eating like impro like re like beans that aren't totally made back normal again. Yeah. You want to talk about a gut pile? Uh, <laughs> guy wrote in about um, it's like these weird little deer hunting things. Uh, a guy wrote in that he's like, "Do you think it's a good idea if I put a mannequin in my hunting blind all year so the deer get used to there being someone in there?" <laughs> Yes. That's the best Next idea. Question. That's great. You should dress it like you, put your clothes on it. Well, in the same week a guy wrote and he's saying like, "Why if why don't I just keep the, like I'll wear clothes and I'll put my clothes in a pile on my tree stand so that the deer in the area become accustomed to my smell." And I like you're kind of like sure, but I just don't I don't know. I feel like you're tipping in some weird direction. Oh, for sure, but I think it's kind of beautiful, too, because, <laughs> like, that's what's so much, like, go away from tradition. Like, you got this whole wild world out there to mess with. Yeah. I like, like it. it invites experimentation. Yeah, exactly. Rub a little Old Spice on there. And... <laughs> but there's moments you got to just realize when you're carrying a mannequin out through the field. It's like, <laughs> what the fuck am I doing here? Like, am I really, like... <laughs> Really? Yeah, guy walks by with a stepladder and a mannequin. Yeah. Down the woods. <laughs> Am I really that into this? Like, is that really where I'm going? Um, yeah, I don't know. I can't, like, I just feel, uh, I don't know why I feel that it's bad to do that. I say get weird. Do it. <laughs> like it. You got any? You can maybe even make, like, a little scene, because you could just bring out your uh, doe and buck decoys at the same time. Bring a couple mannequins, and then so when the buck comes out on the field, he just looks down. He's like, "Oh, everybody's just hanging out together," you know. Yeah. <laughs> they got a little card. They got a little card table other. set up. Yeah. A little outstretched. I apple. feel like that's a slippery slope. Then you're going to be starting to put mannequins in different places they shouldn't be, if that works. Okay, uh, another guy wants to know this. Um, if you, how does he want to put it? He, he includes this. It has to be that if you, it, it's about. If you're going to die in an in a outdoor wilderness disaster accident, but he, but he prefaces it by saying, if you knew you were going to die anyway, which I feel like has implications, but I don't know what they are. So it's like, I guess it just makes it easier. Like God comes down and says, you, you now have to die. Um, and you can pick how you would like it to happen in a wilderness accident or whatever predator avalanche okay what do you like <laughs> like what do you what like are you into yeah yeah oh i thought the question was going to be like how are you going to prepare for this but no you, no he's like, not a prepper <laughs> he's, this dude's a fatalist <laughs> oh man <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's no, the right you answer. No, you have. It's a, and it's just like in the outdoors. Yeah, probably on a surfboard, drinking a beer with some fireworks and a <laughs> twenty-two. A great white shark eats me. I don't know. Like, something cool like that, though. You're on a jet ski. Your probably. kids on the beach being like, "Yeah, Dad, <laughs> yeah. you're the best." Yeah, dude. yeah, I'm on a jet ski. Probably it's on fire. <laughs> <laughs> But it's the great white that eats you. And then the great That's white. That's finally gets what yeah, gets you. Probably. Yeah. So it's all that, but it's like leading up to a shark. Yeah. 
I want people to think, oh, that's how he's going to get it. Oh, no, no, he survived. Oh, oh, oh. He's in the water. Oh, great white guy. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. These things are super cool as a gift, especially if you got mom, aunt, grandma, whoever, and you want to like keep them up to speed on what the family's up to. Okay, It's easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with pre-loaded photos and memories. Named the best digital picture frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things, Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. You can share photos to the frame instantly from anywhere, meaning you share videos, photos from any device, and they will instantly appear on the frame, wherever it is in the world. There's no memory card required right now. Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code MEATEATER at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Get incredible deals on premium cuts from ButcherBox. Do you like free protein for a whole year? Well, deals this good are hard to come by at the grocery store. I, at home, well, I got two freezers, but you know what I'm saying. I like to have a freezer stocked full of stuff. I like feeling prepared, man. When I come home and it's time to make dinner, I like to go in. I got all my proteins lined up in there. Just makes me feel good about stuff. And with ButcherBox, you'll always be prepared with meat in the freezer. It means fewer trips to the grocery store. Delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping always. You get a variety of high-quality cuts at an amazing value. You'll get exclusive deals as a member, too. Sign up at ButcherBox.com slash MeatEater and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free and every order for a year. So every box you get has that in it free for a year. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com slash MeatEater. Make sure you use code MeatEater to choose your free for a year offer plus $20 off your first order. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots and Tacovas is your stop before attending your next concert. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. And Tacovas has first wear comfort. Meaning you put them on, they feel great. Little or no break-in, period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, their direct-to-consumer pricing keeps value on your feet and money in your pocket. Just ask my buddy Chili, who's been slipping around in his Tacova boots, talking about how great he feels in them. He loves them. Yeah, Steve, they're very comfortable. They're very fashionable. And I enjoy wearing mine around the office and anywhere I go around Bozeman. Stop by your local Tacova's store, have a complimentary drink, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And find your new favorite pair of boots today. Yanni, like I, 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 I fall two different directions on it, mm-hmm. right? Which is one that it'd be a grizzly, because man, you know, 
the experience of that. But then I also think that... Wait, back up. What do you want? Well, yeah, but afterwards, you're not going to get to hang out and enjoy, like, your past experience anymore. So that well, should, now that you're, like, play. laying out... You're, now you're, like, laying out... Uh, um, you're, you're laying out a, a, a rather grim afterlife scenario. <laughs> yes. So, I suppose I am. But okay, okay. Uh, I, I, I vacillate between the two extremes. One would be freezing to death, which you lose your sense. Like if anyone's ever been hypothermic, you lose your, you lose like your wherewithal. And then you have that phenomenon called paradoxical undressing. Or it'd be like the struggle with a wild beast. Not some middle ground shit like a tree falling on you. No take. Cal. Man, I, I, uh, you ever see uh, Royal Tenenbaums? Oh, yeah. Right? A couple times. Phenomenal movie. But, at, you know, at the end, he's got this tombstone. And it's like his dying request is... And the tombstone reads, like, died saving his family from a destroyed sinking battleship. Yep. Right? It's total bullshit. Um, this is Gene Hackman, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Little Bill from The Unforgiven. So, like, apply that to uh, Jeremiah Johnson, right? And he comes across uh, the old trapper in the woods, right? Del Gu? No, the, uh, where he gets... Uh, the dude buried up to his neck in the sand. No, Hatch Jack's uh, oh, 50 yeah, Cal yeah, Hawking, yeah, yeah, right? Hatch Jack, yeah. And he gets, he like leaves this little like, hey, you get the rifle that killed the bear that killed me yep. type of deal. So I'd kind of like combine the two where I would get myself into a situation where somebody would inevitably find me, but maybe I would like give my rifle barrel just like an ever so slight little tweak <laughs> to where they're not going to be able to hit shit with it. <laughs> But lay out this amazing story. That's a great point. Hatchet Jack did the two... I wasn't even thinking about that. One of the greatest movies ever made. Hatchet Jack did the two things. He did both my extremes. Yeah. He got mauled and then froze to death. Yep. That's what I want. <laughs> That's what Hatchet I want. Jack. Um, That's a tough one, though. Yeah, what about last words? Like, I'd want to have some kind of last words that were impactful. Like sons of bitches. I think you could die happy though with like a well laid joke. Yeah. Where you're like, eventually, somebody's gonna find me, read this note. It's gonna be great. Yeah. Mine'd be like, damn jet ski. <laughs> we had, with the, uh, uh, a guy wrote into us once, and we were talking about what we wanted to happen to our bodies after we died. And a guy wrote in that he wanted to have his kind of dried out out in the woods, so he's kind of pointing. But have it be these point at just absolutely nothing. <laughs> just a mess with everyone that found him. And they'd go over and just dying to know what it was over there. What he's, you know, it's like. <laughs> Which isn't bad. I mean, because what else are you do with your dead body? Yeah, that's true. People just burn them up nowadays. Doesn't do anybody any good. Um, <laughs> in the same vein, what's the best, uh, does anybody, like, the, the best scar that you have from a, some kind of outdoor venture I got a good scar Show it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but 
it's not from and like it, very weird life I have led. Let me tell you. Um, I've never been like thrown in jail despite like my best efforts. I've never, you know, I've been in some situations in the woods where I've like, well, that's it. And uh, here I am. But I have this scar on my shoulder from leaning back at my desk with a cup of coffee. (laughs) And I have no clue to this day what happened, but I ended up flat on my back with that cup of coffee on my shoulder, and I have this wicked scar from the scalding cup of coffee. Oh. And it's just like a great reminder of like the humor in life, right? Mm-hmm. That's my scar. Yeah. Well, you want to think you got some cool thing we just got from like being a dumbass at your desk. Yes. <laughs> Someday you're like, see that, kids? <laughs> see, that was hot coffee. Decaf. What do you think that is? <laughs> I'm a Riddles decaf. You got anything, Yanni? Yanni's got to have something. I've got a few scars. Um, but the one that happened kind of outdoors, the hunting-related scar. Don't talk about what I think you're going to talk about. It's not right here, is it? <laughs> That's not the one I'm going to talk about. Oh, good. Um, but I had uh, let a buddy of mine who was coming up to uh, hunt with me at, uh, in Colorado after we'd been done guiding. He was going to come up and hunt, I think, I don't know, end of third season, maybe fourth season. We're going to hunt elk, and he didn't have a rifle. And um, I was going to borrow a rifle and let him borrow mine so that I didn't have to let him be borrowing my buddy's rifle, right? So I was the one responsible for my buddy's yeah, rifle. No, I got you. So, so I, let, I, I let Chris borrow the Black Mamba. <laughs> <laughs> and I took a 300 Weatherby. Do you say which, something like, careful, she might bite? <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Uh-uh. No, so, but I took a 300 Weatherby that I, I can't remember if, if, if she had a name. They're always females, aren't they? Yep. Why is that? Well, but yeah, but that's like, that ship sailed now, man. They started naming storms after dudes now. Really? Yeah. Oh. You know that? I didn't know that Because they would name all these storms females. women's names. Then the storm would come and kill everybody. And women got pissed. Right. So now they, now they alternate. Now there's like storms like Bob. Hurricane Bob. Yeah, like Bob, man. Bob. He used to go by Robert, but. Yeah, when, when Bob blew through here, you know. So this 300 Weatherby, which. Black Mamba. No. Oh. The one I, I oh, think sorry. You're nameless. Right. You're right. Um, it was rigged out very ultra lightweight. Okay. Super lightweight stock. And as you know, that gun has a lot of kick. Um, the 300 Weatherby likes to balance. Well, the first elk that week, this is back in the day in Colorado where like every year you could have two uh, cow tags. So I was doubled up that week. And the first elk that I get into, um, it, for, so, whatever, for whatever reason, but I'm not hanging on to the rifle. And I touch off and that Bang. thing com- comes b- back and uh, I've just got blood you know, in my eyes. So I've got this nice cut right here but I get back to camp and I kind of clean it up and I look at it I'm like it's not too bad you know it's it's just slight you know it's not going to scar a few days go by it kind of starts you know closing up and there's really not like a big great big um scab or nothing forming and I'm sweet but I'm still hunting with the rifle and the last evening of the hunt 
I get another shot at a cow and somehow forget that this gun's got a ton of recoil. And the same thing, I get into some awkward position and I'm not really hanging on to it. And I touch off and wham! So twice in one week. And so now that's why I have that nice uh, scope scar between my eyes. I know a lot of people that have those. I remember I was talking to my brother one time and he was real sick. He had like the flu. And, and I'm watching him. And I can't figure out what's going on with him. Like, I, we were hunting either side of this valley. And I, hear him, and I hear him shoot, and I look over. And I'm looking at him through my binoculars trying to figure out what's in the grass. He'd shot something. And he's vomiting, but also his face is covered in blood. And so he already had the flu, and then he, like, cut his face open. And it was kind of a miserable sight. <laughs> him dragging his, dragging his deer back like that, you know? You got nothing? I got, man, I got nothing. I feel, I feel sad about this. I got to go out and cut something up, so I got a story. <laughs> I got to get these, like, dang, like this beautiful hands that are, you know, soft. And soft hands? Well, you, it's a, it could be a testament to uh, how skilled you are. Oh, nope. It's not that. That's not, nope. It's definitely not that. Uh, the only one, like, my kind of main outdoor one, this would, this would drive Mark Canyon crazy, because, you know, like, all this, like, super Joe ninja whitetail stuff, you know. But we're out, like, in Michigan, opening day deer seasons, November 15th. So at around 11 p.m. on November 14th, we're out in the woods building ground blinds in the dark. Uh, and I waylaid my leg with a machete. And that was it. And I didn't even know I did it. I thought I hit it with the back. And a while later, my brother wondered why my uh, Carhartt overalls were all red. But that was the only one. Yeah. Lifetime of safe practices. Yeah. These are terrible scar stories. <laughs> no, I know. I want to be like, well, then I got this. Yeah. Grizzly bear. This isn't my real foot. <laughs> okay, one last one before we get into seeing through the bullshit. Is uh, what did you learn? I mean, it's an infinite number. Of, there's an infinite number of answers. I'll preface this before I even say it. But pick one. What did you learn from your dad? You look at me? Anyone. Everyone. Hunting outdoor later? Or just, well, I'm guessing that's kind of like the business why, we're in. Why I don't think he's talking about... You're like, you're like, you know when you're balancing your checkbook? You know, it's, <laughs> yeah, I would say, I think that that's probably what he's getting at. That's probably what he's driving at. Angling, camping, that wrestling animals, you know. Hmm. Hmm. Yanni sounds the most inquisitive. I'll let him go. Well, I'll you met Yanni's dad. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's badass. Yeah. Well, I guess I can I can tee off. It's uh, it's probably just to stay positive out there. Yeah. In the woods, always be thinking like you're just about to come up on something. Yanni's got a something. hashtag. He's gonna start using. What is it? Keep smiling. Keep smiling. Keep smiling. Keep smiling. Yeah. That's your hashtag. Not yeah. stay positive. There's no hammering, but only smiling. Just smile. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, and I don't think he actually like went out to teach me that like for, you know, to be successful hunting. It was more of a, I think, a life lesson. But my dad was definitely always pushing to be looking on the brighter side of things and to always know that we had a choice how we re- reacted to, you know, most of the time if it's something good, you react good. But even if it's something bad that happens to you, he taught us that we had a choice 
how we wanted to react to it, right? You can react positively or negatively, make the best out of a situation. But, you know, just that constant positive good attitude, you know? And That's something we talked about this last night. Mm-hmm. It's like an argument we have, me and Giannis, which is I feel that... Uh, I'm not, I'm, not into, I'm not into metaphysics too much. So I feel that, the, that what's in your brain ends at your skull. Okay? So that you could have, all, you could have the, a negative mind frame. But if you're sharp enough to have it be that your physical execution doesn't betray your mind frame you will have the same outcome than if you had a positive thought in your head. But Yanni believes that you push out a sort of energy wall of positivity <laughs> or negativity, which impacts animate objects. Kind of. Kind of. I think that more, more, so, more so I believe that, at least for me personally, I might not be, how did you put it, um, sharp enough? To separate the two, <laughs> I, that, that was poor. It was poor word choice. I didn't mean sharp but, enough. But you know what? But no, it's it's fine. But yeah, I might not have the ability to separate those two. So don't make me live with the the word choice. <laughs> I don't care. Um, but yeah, I can't separate the two, and so I know if I'm like having a bad attitude, a negative attitude, and being pessimistic and thinking man, we're probably not going to kill something, but I just feel like, yes, that's going to affect what I'm doing and turn it into probably not killing something. But how are you able to control? Like people say, stay positive, think positive. How are you able to control what part of your brain controls the other part of your brain? You only have one mind. Mm-hmm. So if that mind is feeling a certain way, what part of it is able to manipulate that part? It's not like there's two brains and one's telling one how to be. Like if your brain feels negative, what in it is telling it, convincing it to not feel that way? You don't ever sort of have a two-way conversation with yourself ever? No, I can't say, I can't be like, if I did, I'd just tell myself to be super happy all the time. Yep. You know what my dad taught yeah, you, me? You could. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he, he said if a conversation goes on too long, I always step in. Uh, <laughs> no, I. Oh, yeah, old man. What's your old man tell you? Old man. It, Yanni's dad taught him to be positive. Be positive. Man, I, I feel like my dad's teachings were just. Uh, were so consistent that I couldn't just say, like, he taught me this one thing, be positive or whatever. But it was be present, like, enjoy what you're doing, and be with people you love you're doing it. When I was coming up hunting with my dad, it was less about the deer, less about the act of hunting, but it was more just about being together. Mm-hmm. You know, being together with, for me, it was just following this larger-than-life figure around in the woods. And so he didn't really say, he never really said that to me. He followed me, son, but he, he walked and I followed. So I learned that just being there with him and him appreciating that I'm there and me, you know, giving that back to him was enough to, to propel me to, you know, hunt the rest of my life. So it, w- it wasn't one thing he said to me. It was just his presence there and his willingness to take me wherever I wanted to go. You know, yeah. I it. That was pretty metaphysical. 
Cal. Cal. Oh, the old man. Um, so, yeah, not the sharpest woodsman out there. <laughs> uh, and he, he would tell anybody that himself. But what he did do was spend the time, uh, because I was infatuated with being outside, um, and as much as he really wanted me to be like into, you know, a fun Sunday watching ESPN and college sports and things like that. Oh, he tried to be a bad influence on you. <laughs> I, it was very, very palpable. Like, I knew this is what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But he was willing to, uh, you know, take me out in the woods. Again, not his comfort zone, but spent the time. And I, I, never, I never really knew this. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's a great lesson and something that uh, I certainly uh, keep in mind all the time. It's like, so he bent in your direction? Yep. Because he just knew. He was like, yeah, this is what this kid fell off uh, way uh, apple rolled far from the tree, yeah. but I'm going to do what I can to... Uh, help him along. Help him along, yeah. Well, that's sweet. Yeah. It's not a word I say very often. <laughs> <laughs> sweet of him. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that, that was a good lesson for me, you know. It's like, and then a lot of what I've done in life um, is helping folks in situations where, you know, sometimes I don't really want to be there at that time doing that thing, mm-hmm. but I know it's for a good good purpose in the end yeah the thing i didn't even I, like my old man was a real advice giver um and had like a lot of life philosophies and whatnot the, the 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 lesson the latest lesson that i've learned from him i'm only now beginning to appreciate is having he had you know i, I well he had multiple kids because he had been you know I, I had like half siblings right but i was raised with two brothers um from day one and now that i have three kids uh, just how difficult it is to take kids, like take kids in the outdoors. It's a struggle, especially with that many of them. It's like hard. And I see a lot of, uh, there's a lot of people that I know that just kind of get like, man, it's just too hard. And they kind of ditch them. But the fact that he, I mean, since we were little, little, would take us all out. And the pain in the ass that was, but also to make it feel that you were very welcome. I mean, he'd freak out like about, over anything, but um, <laughs> and, and which I get now, which I get now. But like you, you bet you like you live a bunch of your life, you kind of like freewheeling and do what you want, and you stay out, and it gets cold, and you still stay out, and then all of a sudden have it be that, uh, all of a sudden have it be that you, you're at the whim of all these little freaks, <laughs> you know, and that he did it for that long. And it kind of leaves you like, man, I'm going to have to do it too. But, man, it's hard. Oh, dude. Running I was telling my five-year-old how hard it was the other day, and it hurt her feelings. <laughs> <laughs> this is hard being you. I was like, listen, I'm going to tell you something. Um, oh, it's hard. It's hard. Even finding all the mittens. There is no silence. <laughs> there is no silence. Like, running out with you and the kids and, like. No. Even when things are going perfect. 
It's like, hey, well, what about this? Can I do that? What about that? Well, if I can't do that, can I have a snack? <laughs> they're like, it's hard. Like, it's a lot. They wanted their own little face masks, so I gave them. I had two like neck gaiters, the merino neck gaiters. I give one to each of them. Then they got to wear. They were wearing them to school. I'm like, no, take them to school because you'll lose. No, we won't lose them. Next day, we're going outside. Okay, get the things. <laughs> Neither of them. And one day, they're both gone. Yeah, like you can't find the mittens, you can't find the hats, and you just got to like somehow yeah. just. But you can't ditch them. It's too wrong to ditch them. <laughs> ditch the kids. What's that? Ditch the kids. Yeah. It's oh, just, okay. you no, know, it's fun. It's fun, but man, is it hard? And then I think like, and my dad, I'm, I'm like way more tolerant than my dad was. And the fact that he managed to hack it out is inspiring to me. Well, you said that your, your dad was, was never like into being friends, you know, friends with, with No, the he'd even tell you, though. He wouldn't like secretly not want to be your friend. He'd tell you he wasn't your friend. <laughs> he was like very upfront about it. We're not friendly, friends, you know. <laughs> in, in that moment when you're struggling with the kid thing, that's when you just tell yourself, man, these are the days. This is... Like, awesome. This is great. Yeah. yeah you I do try to do that. And when they, uh, when they <laughs> say, like, didn't talk to himself. what's that? You were saying you didn't talk to yourself earlier. No, I, I said, you try. I said, I do try to remind myself. It's all coming back. I try to remind myself. And, and listen, my, my wife is very forceful about. Which side of your brain is reminding which side of your brain? <laughs> I'm trying to do it. No. There's a difference. There's a big difference because I do it, but it's not effective. But I try to, like, I try to remind myself. My wife makes a, it makes a constant practice of verbally reminding me of how good, like, right? And, and you'll cherish these days and they grow up so fast and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And, you know, and I try hard. I, I really do try hard. I'm committed to trying to do it. I'm committed to, like, raising them up. And when they complain... Um, they're like, why do we have to do this? It's so cold or whatever. I tell them because you'll be able to hang out with cooler people if you learn how to hack your way through this kind of stuff. <laughs> Which doesn't really sell them on it, but that's kind of what I'm picturing. Like, <laughs> you'll, you'll, wind up, you'll wind up with cooler friends. Here's Just, Oreo, yeah. Yeah, I found myself the other day trying to like define and explain grit and how that was going to help my girls later in life. And yeah, they just... It was, in one year and out of the other. You're trying to tell them you need to have grit. Yeah. yeah. Grr. Grr. Yeah. Grr. Tony the Tiger. All right. <clears throat> Seeing through the bullshit is a game we're going to play. With Vortex Optics. Yes, because they gave us... We needed to have a prize. So one? the guys at Vortex gave us the new... Uh, they got new Fury 5000. I think one time I said six. Fury 5000... Range-finding binos. That's right. You can ditch your rangefinder and just yeah. carry binos. That have and we've been playing around with these. And, uh, yeah, they will pick up reflective objects out to about 5,000. And deer-type animals. Um, Steve was pinging coos deer, which is a real small critter, uh, out at 1,000. A little over 1,000 yards, yo. Yeah. Yeah. So we had to sweeten the deal and get these. So you get this, and we randomly selected a seat number. Yeah, I is, think the numbers are right here. It's right here, like on your seat. Yeah. I went out and, and that person will come up and play. Yep. And we selected my son's nickname is Jim Jams. Jim Jams. And he's eight. JJ8. So if you're in JJ8, 
Should we say, come on down and come on down? <laughs> how do they get up here? I don't know how they get up here. <laughs> there he is. Is somebody oh. in that seat? Was it a full seat or empty? Oh, somebody's coming. Someone's coming. I hear somebody coming. <laughs> Make some noise. Okay, so now remember. It's, uh, what, what are you doing, Ben? I'm going to let him sit down here. Oh, Come on up. I'm going to let him sit in my seat. That way he can look you guys in the eye while you... Oh, yeah, because he needs to look us in the eye. Yeah, I'll stand We're going to tell. You good? What's your name? John. John, what's up, man? Okay, Take a seat. John. Good. It's a hot seat. Okay, we're going to tell... Pressure, man. I know, it's a lot of pressure. You're going to get... You have to pick out... You need to see through the bullshit to see the true... The one of these that's true. All right. We're each going to tell you a thing. You want me to go first? We're each going to tell you a fact. Remember to maintain eye contact, especially with Yanni. Especially. I need to to check my facts. And it is two lies and a truth. You got to find the thing that's true. Find the truth. Do you have binoculars currently? I do. All right. Really? Just messing around. Not that nice. Okay. That's good. Let's make it sure. I worked real hard on this story, so I want to make sure I nail it. <laughs> yeah, I'm selling it. I'm selling it. Yeah, see, he's seeing through it. Um, recently, the Florida Fish and Wildlife Commission finished a four-year study on white-tailed deer in South Florida, one of the largest deer research projects ever conducted in the state. 263 deer were fitted with GPS collars, 180 Camera traps were set. The goal of the project was to gain a better understanding of deer ecology in the unique South Florida environment, where there's pythons and panthers and all sorts of stuff that can get deer. Rednecks. Rednecks. (laughs) Um, Okay, so they studied all different kind of stuff, um, the habitat, predation, hunting impact. Um, What was interesting to me was the mortality results. 154 deer died within that four-year time frame. 102 were ruled as possible or probable by a panther. So how, many total, how many total died? 154. Wait, wait, what did it start with? Panthers. No, no. What was it? Oh, 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 263. 263 deer. Yeah. No. So it says here. 102 were ruled as panther or probable panther. Bobcats killed three. Bears killed two. Alligators killed one. Disease got four. Poaching and probable poaching two. And the lowly Florida hunter only killed one of those deer. Like California. (laughs) (laughs) He's been listening. Okay. All right, this is the uh, unlikely heritage. True story. Of uh, Jed Smith, right? Mountain man. And you know who Jed Smith is? Uh, I, I know the name. Well, you he was should. mauled by a grizzly. Were you going to include that? That's how you want to go out, right? No, he was mauled by a grizzly, and his buddies sewed his head, his scalp back on him. And you always wore his hair long. You know? Uh, the, the stitching wasn't very tight. <laughs> uh, so he had to part his hair just so. Um, <laughs> So Jed Smith, famous mountain man, had an incredible life, but he ran into a bunch of trouble 
just about in this area. He actually ran into uh, the Spanish military, um, got detained for a amount of time, ended up having a kind of a harrowing run through a bunch of cactus, got all bloated up from his body reacting to a ton of cactus needles. Um, during that kind of healing process, he is tended to by this very nice Spanish lady named Rosarita. Um, they have 12 kids. Uh, yes. Yes. Um, That's where all the Smiths in the world come from. (laughs) (laughs) Now, here's where things get pretty deep, so stay with me here. Uh, As this uh, family grows, the Spanish heritage takes over, and they produce a line of high-quality Mexican foods that you can find at your grocery store today. <laughs> if you've ever eaten Rosarita refried beans, <laughs> that is the unlikely true heritage of Jedediah Smith. Jedediah Strong Smith. Okay, 1984. The Florida panther is reduced down to maybe 50 animals. And there's talk about supplementing the population with mountain lions from West Texas. The debate centers around what is the Florida panther. If we bring in a genetic line from another area, are we destroying this isolated habitat? They do a collaring study on mountain lions to try to determine their range and distribution. And they have a collar on a mountain lion in the Everglades of Florida. And for some strange reason, one of these lions, whose name is G45, migrates south and swims and starts going out into the Florida Keys. And there's that diminutive whitetail subspecies, the Keys deer, which is an imperiled species. And this lion is preying very heavily on these very small populations of keys deers. And a number of times, the Florida Department of Fish and Game thinks they're going to need to remove one of these lions. But eventually, it is hit by a tour bus in Key West. A little too detailed, isn't it? A little too, yeah. It's a little, very yeah. detailed. You, to figure this out, you can ask the audience if you'd like. I, I can go and hold yeah. my hand over each person. They can cheer for you. Can, you, can go to audi- you can go to audience support if you really don't if you, think you If you can. think you need it. I think I have an idea, but I'll go to the other. I mean, where, where are we going with this? All right, all right. All right, all right cheer when I hold my hand and do this motion over the person. Is it if, the... You're looking for the truth. Yes. We're looking for the it, truth. If so you think this was the truth, cheer for Yanni, his story. Do you think Cal was telling the truth about Jedediah, Jedediah Smith? Give me something now. <laughs> if you believe that Stephen Ronello was telling the truth about that swimming panther. Ooh, it's close. I think I'm going to go with uh, Mr. Ronello over here. I think, he's, I think it's he, his, his story. It's true. I think it's your story that's true. He thinks no. Stephen Ronello. Oh. No. Oh. 
They just they no. just put out the results, man. Panthers killed over a hundred of the two hundred and sixty three that were collared. Yeah, and Florida hunters only killed one. One. And they were even told, don't let the GPS collars and the ear tags bother you. Please kill those deer when you see them. <laughs> we had a bad year. Right? <laughs> but, but listen, you know, for playing, you still you, get you the win them anyway. <laughs> yeah, thank you for playing. All right, guys. Oh, yeah. Good. Thank you. Thanks, man. Oh, excellent. That's great. All right, guys, don't go away because we're going to, uh, first off, thank you very much for coming out. Thank you. But uh, don't go away yet because we got to do, do a birthday giveaway. Um, but first, if you go out, we have our merch table set up. We have uh, signed books. We have new, uh, our signed cookbook is out there. We have our meat eater mug, mugs. Sold out. Uh, squirrel meat hoodies. Squirrel meat hoodies. We have our Ice Age Hunter doing a grip and grin with a saber-toothed cat t-shirts. And then our only, and then our shirt that we only sell at live events, which is our uh, famous steam-breathing turkey shirts. Steam-breathing power gobbler. Yeah, and those are not available to anyone but you folks. Um, so does that. Now, we've got to do our birthday giveaway. Yeah, can we bring up the um, house lights? Call the, the, yeah, the lights out there just a little bit. Teensy. So this will help us Who, um, see everybody. Oh, yeah. Is anybody celebrating their birthday? Oh, wow. All right. Moments. I got to get a better idea. How, How many, many do we have? Stand up. Holy no shit. shit. Really? <laughs> <laughs> this goes back in. We're going to check your IDs. Are you really serious? We, we did this two nights ago, and we had... All right, everybody, everybody who has a birthday, come down so we can get a look at you. Come on down. If it's your birthday no. today. No, it's got to be your birthday today right now. Come on. But then, if you're real young, don't bother, because we're going to go with older, because you're closer to being dead, and I want you to enjoy your time. (laughs) We got more people? Oh, yeah. Really? What was going on nine months ago tonight? (laughs) Oh, it's Valentine's Day, kids. Oh, no, No. never mind. That makes no sense. No, it's No. Like a very like a, a, a negative yeah. concept, uh, a negative yeah, four yeah, day yeah, gestation period. Oh. So everybody, it is your birthday today. Oh, it's just four of you. Yeah. Well, by golly, you hey, guys are all these the, chairs. the winners of a new chair. Oh. <laughs> Happy birthday, man! Good job. Happy You're birthday. right. Here, chair it up. That's very heavy. Watch yourself. Thank you. Sweet, dude. All right, guys, we love you all. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved 
via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Telling you what, Decked is a game changer. Decked has completely changed how I load, organize my truck. All my stuff that I want is always in there, out of my way, and secure. It's perfect. If you own a pickup truck that you use, you know, like a truck, the Decked drawer system gives you weatherproof storage for all your gear. You can lock it up, too. You keep your tools and gear organized, job site or out in the field. Go to deck.com slash meat eater to receive free shipping. Go to decked.com slash meat eater. Get yourself some free shipping. 